Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in with you. Hope you're having a terrific Tuesday. And a terrific beginning of the month. How many radio stations around the country are going to be playing Bone Thugs and Harmony first of the month? Well, you bet your ass that we're going to be playing that later today. No doubt, but good morning. Today, I'm not going to focus on this the entire show. As a matter of fact, the first half of the show... Is going to be basketball and the doghouse. That's what we got, got coming up in the first half. Second half of the show, I want to focus on baseball. And I don't want to go into the details of what's going on. Because there was a lot to come out from yesterday in the, what is it, the 11th meeting that they've had between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. But this is my question. Does anyone know really what's going on? You, the casual consumer of sports, do you just not want to, do you just not care until a deal gets done? Have you looked at all into it? I'm very, I'm just very curious about it because whenever baseball's talked about right now, it's just a total tune now and I'd love to get anybody's opinion on it. And I want to see if anyone has actually heard of it or know what's going on. What the hell is happening in the world of baseball? So that's what we're going to get to in the second half of the show. But I want to talk about this one guy. This guy who I think is going to be a problem for the next few years for the Golden State Warriors. And that is Ja Morant. And I want to focus on that dunk that he had last night. And if you haven't seen it, John Morant from the Memphis Grizzlies had the dunk of the year on Jakob Pertl. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a better one than that. 
the size of Ja compared to Pirtle, how far he was from the rim, the confidence that he had to get up. You're going to be hard-pressed to find another dunk like that. But Ja Morant just broke his own record. He set a career high against the Bulls on Saturday when the Grizzlies beat them 116-110. to He had 46 points. 46 points along with 13 made free throws. He knocked down three threes, 15 of 28 overall. So that was a career high for him. Previously, he said it again against Portland. He had 44. That was last Wednesday. Just listen to this stretch of games here, the Wednesday prior to the All-Star break. He had 44 points against the Blazers. Now they ended up losing that game. You had the All-Star break. Then he scored 20 against Minnesota. And then he scored 46 against Chicago in 52, setting a career record for him. And not only that, he is the first player in franchise history, in Memphis Grizzlies history, to have a 50-point game. So he broke that record, but it was the way that he did it, and you could just you could go back and watch the highlights, but there were three ones that stuck out. One was just the logo three, which was just the influence of Steph, and that's what he's had on these types of players. We've seen that before, but then it was the other things that Ja Morant did, and I do want to focus on the dunk. But let's just get to the highlight of the buzzer beater at halftime. Murray, one of two. The bench still stands. Adams going long. Morant. That was credit to Bali Sports Memphis. Steven Adams heaves a a pass cross court. It was a longer pass than Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown since that one deep ball to Debo Samuel that one time. But Steven Adams launches it to the other end of the court. Jaw gets it in midair, heaves it for a two, and manages to beat the buzzer. I, I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. Like, this dude is unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's so crafty around the rim. His three-point percentage, that's been that's been the biggest knock on him since coming into the league, is his three-point percentages aren't always there. They've gotten better. He's currently shooting 38% from three overall, uh, which is not terrible, but... Those are the, that's the big knock on him right there is he always shoots a sub 40%. But it's not just that half-court buzzer beater or the halftime buzzer beater there that everyone was paying attention to. It was the dunk. Morant blows by Primo. Attack. Oh! That dunk was impressive is anything that I've seen. Now, we can go last year to Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, oh, I forgot who the Raptors player's name was, uh, but Anthony Edwards had the poster of the year last year. But there's something about what Ja Morant did to a guy like Jakob Pertl, who's a pretty good defender. He can remain tough when protecting the rim. I don't know how Ja did it, but listen to this highlight one more time. Morant blows by Primo. Attack! Oh! 
Now listen to that. Now listen to this one. It reminds me of something. And then get in the basketball because a lot of good things will happen. Not just with him scoring, but then also it open up. Oh, man! Hello. That Baron Davis dunk on Karolinko, I know it's known as one of the greatest in-game dunks of all time, and the stakes that were there with the playoffs, it makes it different. But just listen to the sound of Ja Morant in the rim, the way that he destroys the rim. Morant blows by Primo. Attack! And then Baron Davis. And then get in the basketball because a lot of good things will happen. Not just with him scoring, but then also it open up. Oh, man! Hello. <laughs> Time out in Baron's house. That's how sick that dunk was. But again, it's not just the four points that I bring it up here. That's, those are only a couple of the highlights. Ja went on to score 52 in this game. He had seven rebounds. He had two assists. He was four of four from three. He was on fire. And and there's there's nobody like him in the league right now. There's no better watch than him right now. Steph is normally my number one guy when it comes to the most enjoyable players to watch in the NBA. But it feels like Ja Morant does something on a night-to-night basis. This dude has been going crazy since the month of February, and it just hasn't started. Like, listen to these point totals here for every game since the beginning of February. 23, 33, 30, 23, 26, 44, 20, 46, 52. And then even in the month of January... I mean, he had a stretch of games going back for the 19th. 33, 38, 35, 41, 30, 34, 37. The dude didn't score less than 30 points halfway through the month of January. This dude is crazy. And from the 510, you want to know what's wrong with the NBA dunk contest? Players like John Morant aren't in it. And that's interesting at the Comcast Business text line. Jaw, every time the junk contest comes around, Jaw is always the one tweeting because he's naturally the the one guy that a lot of people do want to see, like you, 510. And he says that, uh, and this happened after that little Dwayne Wade debacle, but he said that the judging isn't fair. He doesn't want to go in that dunk contest when the when the scorers don't know what they're doing or they feel like or he feels like they have an agenda. So that's why Jaw Morant doesn't do it, but that dunk was as insane as anything you'll see. Go ahead and check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, but that brings me to a larger point. Because Ja has just continued to get better. He's 22 years old. He was the second overall pick back in 2019, along with, uh, along with Zion Williamson. Right now he's averaging 27.6 points a game, 5.9 rebounds, 6.6 assists. I mean, the 27-6-5 guy, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. That's pretty damn good. But to me, if you're going to ask me, when the Warriors' contracts are up, when Draymond and Klay Thompson, they're, they're down to their final contracts, and let's just say that we're talking four years from now when you're only going to really see Steph Curry. Because next year, you got Klay... 
and Draymond under contract. They actually have a player option for him in the next two years. So that's when Clay and Draymond are going to be closing out their contracts, and that's when we're going to start seeing the new era really start to be the the Warriors team. You know, we're going to have to move on from the dynastic Warriors that we saw. But if you're going to ask me three years from now who the biggest challenger is going to be, not just for the Warriors, I hope the Warriors can be a contender. A lot of it hinges on how these younger guys do, how James Wiseman and Kaminga and Moses Moody and whoever else they might trade for or pick up, whatever other moves they make uh, in the next three years. It's not to say, oh yeah, they're just going to be with all their with all their young players uh, going forward. It's not to say that. It's not always going to be the same team. But And Jordan Poole. I need to mention Jordan Poole in that conversation too. But if you're going to ask me who who is going to be that team in the Western Conference... It's not going to be the Lakers. I don't know about the Clippers. I don't know where the Clippers are going to be at uh, in the next three years. That, that that team is just so unpredictable. I don't know what's going to happen with the Suns. The Suns are currently 1-2 and two right now uh, when they don't have Chris Paul on the court. They're obviously going to build their team too. But man, it's hard for me to believe that with all the player movement that happens and guys dictating where they want to go, if a star is frustrated with whichever team they're on, and John Morant and Desmond Bain, they all remain with the Memphis Grizzlies, man, the Grizzlies are going to be the, one of the toughest teams in the league, if not the toughest, in the next three years. Like, they are going to be the team to beat. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell is a very good player. The Nuggets... With Jokic, and actually, we just got the news yesterday that uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. could make a return prior to the playoffs. We saw Jamal Murray hurt himself against the Warriors last season uh, in April. So, you're going to see those young stars play, but who knows how much longer they're going to be with that team. It just looks like the Grizzlies have that core, and who wouldn't want to play with John Morant? Who wouldn't want to play with John Morant? I'd put Minnesota in that conversation, too. Hell, even Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, who could be the new Phoenix Suns in three years because they've stunk all this time. They got a bunch of draft picks. Sam Presti knows how to pick them. If they can get you know a big-name veteran, a star, then they could contend, too. But watching the Grizzlies just day after day and watching John Morant the way that he's leading this team, it has me thinking they're going to be the team to beat in the Western Conference in the next three years. And I know you're thinking that this is just recency bias, that I'm just basing this off one game. No, I'm basing this off a lot of the season. I'm basing this off of everything that's happened this year and how much they've grown as a team and what the culture is looking like over there in Memphis. they got a great culture there. We always talk about culture, especially when it comes to the Warriors. Well, they got a great thing brewing over there in Memphis. Man, they're going to be good. And they could be dangerous this year. They could be dangerous this year. It's a very real possibility that we see the Warriors and Grizzlies in a seven-game series. It's a very real possibility. But that all depends on how the Warriors do for the rest of the season without Draymond Green. With a James Wiseman who is entering the unknown right now, the unknown territory. Who knows? I mean, there's a chance that the Grizzlies can even leapfrog the Warriors when it's all said and done. I believe they're a game back right now. So, that remains to be seen. But let me just play this one more time. This John Morant poster, 
on Jakob Pertl compared to Barrett Davis and AK-47, the dunk on AK-47. It's a mirror image. It's the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Moran blows by Primo. Attack! because a lot of good things will happen, not just with him scoring, but then also it open up. Oh, man! Hello. <laughs> Time out in Barron's house. Coming up next on the pregame show, it is the doghouse. Who is in your doghouse this week? Who from the world of sports, pop culture, your life, Whoever you want at the Comcast Business text line at 888-957-9570. Also at the phone number, it's the same one. We'll get to that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Want to get to some of the texts here at the Comcast Business Text Line at 888-957-9570. That's also the phone number. Want you to continue to participate today. Need your help, text line. I got some questions for you. Because in the second half of the show, I'm going to ask you, do you you even know what's going on with baseball right now? Is it just all too much? Not knocking you for it if you don't. I'm genuinely curious if anyone knows what's going on. I'm not trying to meet it as an insult. I'm not trying to say, oh, you don't know what's going on. You need to pay attention more. No, 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 no. Not saying any of that. I'm just very curious. Do you even know what's going on? Or is this, are you just not even, do you even just not care? Just not care to worry. So we're going to get to that in the second half of the show. And we're going to get to the doghouse here in just a second. But from the 510. Just the audio of that dunk is quite violent. I mean, if you didn't see the Ja Morant posterizer on Jakob Pertl of the San Antonio Spurs yesterday, just listen to it. And like the 510 said, it's quite violent. Morant blows by Primo. Attack! You're not going to find a more impressive in-game dunk from this year like that one. Like that one. And I know the the Vince Carter dunk from the Olympics when they were playing France, if I'm not mistaken, when he had that dunk where he just climbed over the dude who's standing at seven feet tall and still gets it in. I mean, it's going to be hard to top that one. But, man, just with the size that John Morant is, with how big Jakob Pertl was, and how far he was from the hoop. I mean, he was basically at the low block. And gets up all the way from there. Just insane. <laughs> from the 5-0. Jabberad saw Pirtle and said, Ground beef! 5-7-4, this is Kurt and Napa. Maybe this isn't a good comparison, but do you think Ja Morant could end up filling a sort of LeBron James type of gameplay? Well, no. That's going to be my immediate answer to that. In answer to that, no. Just because... I mean, LeBron was bigger, stronger, and faster than everybody. I mean, John Morant's way more crafty, you know, and he's going to use that size to his advantage, but he's not going to just barrel through people. You know, I see more, uh, and he kind of already has, but 
Giannis, where he just gets the ball at the top of the key and whoever's in front of him will try and stop him. That's really what LeBron was doing a lot of the time. And then, you know, the three-pointers started coming along and he started knocking down threes and doing all those different things. So, no, I don't see it being the same type of LeBron James type of gameplay. But, man, Jaw can really do it all. He can do it all. From Ernie from Concord, Jaw's taken over as the most exciting player to watch. He's right there. He's must-see television every single day from the 510. Excuse me. Yeah, also from the 510. I'm just going to say it. Memphis is in our way this year. They can be. You know, in a seven-game series, it's just totally different. When you get to the playoffs, these young players, uh, they are a young team after all. And the, the, the beauty of the playoffs is when you get into these, you know, these multi-game series, the beauty of it is that, you know, you can adjust. And, and it's going to be different every single night. So I, I'm 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 very curious to see if they do play each other in the playoffs. But I I I do feel confident in saying that they are going to be the team to beat uh, in the next three years. By the time that Draymond and Clay have moved on, you've ushered in that new era. You got a new starting five. The bench is looking different. I think the Grizzlies are going to be one of the teams to beat. And, and the NBA is unpredictable. Because a lot of these other teams, they could you know leapfrog their way. The Thunder could easily do it. Uh, the Nuggets could still be contenders when you got a guy like Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. You know th- these guys could be there, but man, with how young that Grizzlies team is, they're looking damn good. And if they remain intact, and you know their 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 front office makes the right moves, they all have to have a cohesiveness. But I wouldn't be shocked in the next three years if they are that top team uh, in the West. All right. Let's get to the doghouse. I only have two in mind. Not not many guys to put in there, but this is the doghouse. What is the doghouse, you ask? The doghouse is simply this. Oh, excuse me, I have three. I wrote down three. Thought I had two. Huh. I need to be better with perusing my notes prior to doing a segment. But the doghouse, we all know that Kyle Shanahan had a doghouse. We started this in the football season when Brandon Ayuk is in the doghouse. Dante Pettis is in the doghouse. Whoever else is in the doghouse. So I figured, why don't we have a doghouse for ourselves? Why don't we put people in our doghouse from the world of sports and pop culture? And I hate to say it. I do. Because I have not liked this guy's antics. And he's been in the doghouse, it feels like, every single week this entire basketball season. Especially that time when he went 2 for 11 and only scored 4 points against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, But James Harden? James Harden has made his way out the doghouse. Just for this week. He hasn't done anything to anger me. All he's done is make Joel Embiid better. And I'm not going to lie, that makes me happy because Embiid is one of my favorite players in the league. I think that he's been involved in this whole process, trying to trust it. But now he seems like he has a teammate who meshes well with him and gets him a lot of easy buckets. And they're going to just attempt probably another 100 free throws uh, in the next game because these dudes are just constantly getting to the line. But James Harden, he's out of the doghouse for now. He's gone to Philly. He's picked it up. Clearly, he wasn't happy in Brooklyn. Didn't like the way that he had to exit. But at least he is, 
giving Embiid the opportunity that he wanted when he was with the 76ers, and they're trusting that process right now. So he is out of the doghouse. But number one in mine is Kyler Murray. He's still in there, but this is for a different reason. Now him and his agent have put the contract negotiations out to the public. First off, it started out where he erased all his social media, had everyone all worried, so the reporters did a little investigating, and that's why there were all those reports out there that he's unhappy, that he does not like losing, that he's essentially a sore loser, is what those reports were saying. And then it's like, why? Why is all this happening to me? It's because you erased everything off social media and you gave a reason for these reporters to go after you. But now him and his agent are all putting it out to the public with all these contract negotiations. I don't care. I don't care what you're going to get paid. You're obviously going to get paid. Don't put it out to the public. Who, who, who has any empathy? Who can empathize with that? From us listening on the radio, being casual consumers of sports, how can any of us even continue to fathom what you're going what you're going to make? Like, I, I don't know. I'm just tired of hearing about Kyler Murray. He's going to stay with the Cardinals. Nothing is going to happen. But he's in the doghouse for making this all public, even though they didn't want it to be. And now it's all out there. Now it's all out there, and it's a number one news story all over the NFL. I don't care about that. We got the Combine starting today. Oh, this is interesting. This is Ernie from Concord. Jordan Poole is in the doghouse right now. He needs to accept his six-man role. You can go back and forth on it. It's very, very strange that Kerr decided to start him in the two spot when Clay was out. Ever since Clay made his return and he's been out, you know, the select few games, Jordan Poole was always put in the starting five. So Kerr's reasoning for not putting him in the starting five in that last game against Dallas was because he wanted Jordan Poole to remain consistent within a bench role. So he ended up going over, and with the way that Steph was talking about him after the game, you could tell that he was clearly unmotivated, Jordan Poole that is. So I'm with you, Ernie, but I also think that I also think it was just a strange move by Steve Kerr, too. And I'm not going to put either one of them in the doghouse this week. I don't need to put anyone in the Warriors there. Uh, they, they can easily make it up the next couple of games, and they could, you know, I, I mean, they could prove me wrong. Prove me completely wrong. But next up in my doghouse is Keppa Arizabalaga. Who's that? It's a goalie for Chelsea. I don't know if anyone saw Chelsea and Liverpool over the weekend. But it was a nil-nil game. I don't know how there wasn't a goal scored. It should have been 3-2. to two. Could have been to, to either Chelsea or Liverpool. I don't know which one. It should have been a 3-2 game by the looks of it. Just non-stop, unbelievable saves by each goalkeeper on the team. But that goalkeeper that was making the saves for Chelsea wasn't the one taking penalties. The manager, Thomas Tuchel, decided to bring in what was essentially a closer. You had you had the starter who was going all eight innings. You know, you, you had the guy who was running hot, had less than 100 pitches, and then you bring in the guy who specializes in the ninth inning, kind of like Thomas Tuchel for Chelsea, rotting Kepper Ariza Balaga because he specializes in taking the penalty shootouts. Well, they did. And each team scored every goal 
and they ran out of players. So it came down came down to the goalkeepers. Liverpool's knocked his right in. It was a perfect penalty kick. Then Kepa just airmails it. And I know you're probably going to say it's not fair to blame the player. You got to blame the coach in that situation. Nah, Kepa knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting into. And the pressure was too much. He should have made a save earlier in the game. Should have made a save when Liverpool's uh, when Liverpool's goalie looked lost with penalty kicks. So that's where I'm at. From the 510, James Harden's permanent mailing address is the doghouse. He's a bum. <laughs> so one more that I want to put in the doghouse, and this isn't to name any names. And this is going to segue into our next segment. But any baseball reporter who's trying to report on all the numbers, it just it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to us, the casual consumer. You know how the amount of Googling that's had to be done based on pre-arbitration and competitive balance tax? It's just they're making these reports under the assumption that we know what's going on. And in reality, we don't. We don't. And and that's what I want to know here at 888-957-9570 from the Comcast Business Text Line. Because coming up next, I want to play some of the Buster Olney interview, who, of course, is an MLB insider for ESPN. He was on with Willard and Dibbs yesterday. He simplified it. But some of these other insiders, they're putting all this money out there. It just... Who understands it? Genuinely, I want to know at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number. Feel free to text in about baseball's lockout. I don't want to have a discussion about what's going on and the money implications and everything. I mean, there is there, there they did come to an agreement yesterday where it's going to be a 12-team postseason format as opposed to the normal 10. I mean, they were going to put 14 teams in the postseason, which just didn't make any sense. So now it's they agreed to 12. But that's really all I understand about this. Everything else is just just so many numbers. So I want to know from you at 888-957-9570. Are you with me? When you look at everything that's happening with baseball, do you understand all the details of what's going on? Or do you just take what you're seeing at face value? We'll get to that next. Stephen Langford did on the pregame show 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Want you to get your text in here at the Comcast Business Text Line at 888-957-9570 because ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney was on with Willard and Dibbs yesterday, and I want to replay some of that interview for you because he simplified the lockout to what's understandable. And my question to you is, and what I want you to weigh in on is, do you understand what's happening with the lockout? Have you looked at any of the details? Do you care to look at any of the details? I'm just very curious at this point because they just had their 11th meeting yesterday and we just got the news uh, from Jeff Passan that they had, they have extended the deadline to get a deal done. The deadline to get one done was yesterday in order to start games on time, but it looks like they have extended the deadline to avoid canceled games, and that is pushed to 5 p.m. today. So we await to hear the news on that, but I'm really curious at AAA 957-9570, do you even care to look at what's happening with the lockout? Or is it just, wake me up when it starts? Where are you at as a fan? Just in general, in sports. I'm curious. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. But let's get to Buster Olney when he was asked: Is there a chance that they miss games? Hell, I mean, could it be a hundred game season this year? This is Buster Olney on with Willard and Dibs yesterday. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know the owners, um, you know, they what they saw in 2016, which I think is really important context. For you know what's going on here, there was uh, you know under Tony Clark, there was not engagement uh, in the last days leading up to that negotiation. Rob Manfred predicted to the owners going into that negotiation, look, uh, there's going to be a rush to get a deal at the end, and then we're going to kill them. And they did; they destroyed them in that negotiation. And I've wondered if you know they've anticipated a similar situation where at some point you know you could see a, a collapse from the players. Um, I don't think it's going to be today, but at some point the reality is that uh, you know the owners are playing with a bigger pile of chips. If you think of it like a neighborhood poker game, you know the the players are the, the side with a hundred dollars worth of chips, and the owners decide with a million dollars worth of chips. Uh, here's the thing that's scary: is that even if the owners quote unquote win, they still lose, and I don't think they get that. Uh, you know, they still lose because the sport, which is in a fragile state right now, would would take a huge hit, and the relationship with the players would take a huge hit. It's why when I've been texting back and forth with people today, it feels like this whole situation has been created by a bunch of dumb, smart guys. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I don't get it. Like I, I you know, I, in an opportunity where they all need to band together and grow, they've absolutely moved in the other direction. Well, you just tapped into why, uh, and to let you in, Buster, I've been running around the building being the uh, the faux optimist for, for for the better part of the last four or five weeks because I have the hardest time believing uh, that these smart people are actually this dumb. Like, how would you put into words what happens? to the sport, to the relationship with the fans, just in the immediate term, if there's an announcement tomorrow that, for example, April is off? Uh, it, it would be a huge hit. You know, anybody, I started covering in 1989, and I was covering uh, the Orioles in 1995 that spring when baseball resumed and the ballparks were half empty. Uh, the, 
the work stoppage of 94-95 destroyed the Montreal Expos as a franchise. They never recovered. They had to move that team. Um, I, I think that they would be a huge hit. There's no question going forward. Um, I feel like this is one more example of the incrementalism which has gone into the sport over the last decade. And I don't mean to you know have this as a rant about analytics, but I think that that the you know the fight for every decimal point has overcome common sense at times. It just feels like there's so many decisions that are you know penny wise and pound foolish. Whether you're talking about reducing the number of minor league teams from you know 42 to uh, excuse me by 42. You're talking about the Oakland Athletics owner's decision to, you know, initially to cut the minor league salaries from four hundred to three hundred dollars a week. You feel like just what? What are you thinking? What? What is going on here with the thing? You know, the the game itself, where the front offices now have created this product. We're seeing eight relievers that no one knows the name of, as opposed to the Madison Bumgarners, the guys who create memories, the Hulk Hogan's of the sport. It's mind-boggling where we've gotten to, and I always go back to you know something Theo Epstein said when he stepped down from the Cubs. He said, you know, I look at the product today, and I take uh, you know take my my responsibility for where we are today in part, but it's not good, and this is going to be one horrific step for them if that's actually where they take the game. That's a great way to describe it, just sort of the, the faceless nature now in Major League Baseball doing nothing to promote its stars, let alone its general players and preventing fans from sharing content accordingly. The macro view of baseball is really sad when you think about it from that standpoint, but just looking at this season and what this season might become, is, is it going to start Anytime before June, and are players going to be able to stomach the defeat that they're inevitably going to take? Uh, that is a great question, and I think we're getting some evidence of, of maybe an answer to that question by um, by all these retirements we've seen this winter. You know, let the, on uh, Monday last Monday, I was in Nashville, and uh, some of the, the former Vanderbilt players are working out on campus there, who are major leaguers, including Kirk Casale and Mikey Stremski. And we were talking about that very thing, how, you know, this winter you've seen guys like Kyle Seager and Ryan Zimmerman and John Lester, um, you know, just re- retire. And I, I just mentioned to those guys, boy, I wonder if baseball was in a healthy state, if everything was great, if everyone was having a good time and felt like the product was good, wouldn't some of these guys want to play another year or two? We talked about Buster Posey. You know, if, if you knew for sure that it was going to be this really joyful experience, um, whether or not uh, the players would, would want to stick around longer. I think that's becoming a factor. I, I think this you know, ugly relationship between the two sides is really illuminating an, an ugly side of baseball. I, I'm not going to use the players' names, but I heard a story earlier today where one player uh, texted a colleague, and this is a player who's on, the, uh, on the, uh, you know, the edges of the negotiations. He said, I hate Major League Baseball. And this is someone who has a reputation as being, you know, this gregarious, uh, you know, person, upstanding citizen within the sport. And, you know, the fact that someone like that guy has been moved to that point uh, is really awful. And I think that's where a lot of people are right now. Hmm. Amazing. Buster Olney, ESPN, with us on uh, what is a a self-imposed deadline day, if you will, 
for Major League Baseball. We did see over the weekend uh, just tiny little flickers, Buster. John Heyman sent out a, a tweet that said uh, there was a, a, an official that, that, that used this, the phrase, we're in striking distance. Yesterday they said a little bit of progress. Obviously no one thinks they're close, but, but how, how do you translate little signs of, of positivity over the weekend and what they mean? Yeah, I mean, first off, the fact that they're talking is remarkable in itself. That's that's progress over what it was. And what was it on Friday? The Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, the leaders on their respective sides, actually came forward and they joined the talks. What a concept. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. I, you know, after months and months of these two sides not engaging, uh, it, it's it, it, um, it, the fact that they were talking was, you know, in theory, a good sign. But the fact is, in this moment where we are right now, that the owners who took so much financial landscape in 2016 in those negotiations, they need to be the party to step forward. They need to move toward the middle to make a major concession that you know keeps these talks going. I, you know, I don't. The deadline today, I don't think, is a hard deadline. If in fact there was a sense on the two sides that they are making progress, they could always extend it by a day or two make up a couple of days, uh, you know, with double headers, that sort of thing, if they were making progress. But they haven't really agreed to that much. Uh, and when you start seeing, and, you know, I, I don't know how you guys are, but when these texts start coming out or tweets start coming out from various reporters, I'm like, okay, well, that was, uh, you know, leaked out by this side. That was leaked out by this side. The fact that they seem to be doing war through via tweets tells you a lot about what's going on behind the scenes. It seems like most fans, everybody outside of the 30 or so owners wants the players to get more in these negotiations. What's the one thing that the players would want to get that they potentially could get that would make them feel at least okay with this negotiation? Well, I think that, you know, the increased minimum salaries is a step forward for the players. Um, but the biggest thing in this moment, it feels like that the owners need to move on the competitive balance tax, uh, which has essentially become a, a soft salary cap that's treated as a hard salary cap by a lot of the big money teams. We've seen, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers all float back underneath that number. Um, you know, that's the way it's been treated. And so in this negotiation, the owners want to keep that number down. You know, they're proposing in the first year, this year, $214 million as, uh, you know, the, the, the level at which, beyond which, the teams will get uh, taxed. Um, the, the union wants it about $30 million higher in that first year, expanding up to $53 million higher. That's the key figure for me. If the owners were to come in today and were to present a major concession on that front, I think the rest of the dominoes would fall in place. Buster, uh, like I said, we really, really appreciate you hopping on on uh, on such a uh, a busy day. Uh, g- give me a sense of r- just real quick your your level of surprise if something were to happen today. Uh, I would be completely shocked if they were to actually get a deal done. Um, and based on what I heard yesterday about how far apart they were. I would be surprised that there would be that major concession that we're talking about because there apparently are owners willing to say, you know what, we don't need to play in April, and we're ready to drive this sport off the cliff and then come what may. That was Buster Olney on with Willard and Dibbs, and the key takeaway that I had there toward the end was that 
He said if they extend the deadline, which they have, they've extended it to, I said 5 p.m. earlier, that was 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. They've extended that deadline today, and they've had 10-plus meetings back and forth. Sure, that just so shows some sign of progress, but I'm just seeing every report, and there are two major issues that I have with this. Actually, let's get to Ivan in Oakland real quick, and then I'll get to those two major issues. Uh, Ivan, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Uh, thanks for taking my call. Of course. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, the comment you just made is very, very interesting, what the owners are willing to do as far as driving the sport off the cliff, because baseball is not the NFL. And it's not the NBA. Okay, it's third wheel. I mean, I I, I tried to play all three sports coming up. So I like, I, I mean, football is my favorite, but there's not that much difference between baseball and basketball as far as the pecking order. It's not like there's not any kind of distance between the three for me. Okay, okay. as far as which one I like. But if I had to choose, that's how I would do it. Okay, uh, but as far as baseball, I tried to, you know, you, you'll know me when there's a strike on one of the other sports fans talking about it. Oh, man, the side is wrong. Oh, that side is wrong. Football and basketball is easy. But I'm, I'm listening for the, among the conversation out there in the streets about baseball. I don't hear anything. Right. So I asked, well, you know, baseball's on strike? No. What? I don't strike? That, that's significant. Yeah. So if both sides, <laughs> yeah. both sides don't have any leverage. Not, neither side do. Okay, and right. if, they, if they and if the owners don't give money to the players or they don't settle their differences right now, if they strike again, it w- I, I think it would do irreversible damage to baseball. Now I have a solution on uh, even if they do do that, how to fix it. Mm-hmm. A's did this and it was wildly popular. I think they should have a to, to the fans, you know. A, fr- a baseball is free day. Every place around Major League Baseball let the fans in for free. Then, hmm. could you imagine? Could you imagine the publicity that would come from that? They would they they would generate more publicity from that than they I think that they could ever generate, no matter what they do. What was that? The and that was the Ivan. That was the uh, that was the A's and the White Sox, right? When they had that free day, yeah, and they they free day. But they, the significant thing about that, I remember, is that they made more revenue from that than they did when they were charging admission because people had money so they bought caps, they bought jackets, mm-hmm. they bought food. They, put, I mean, it, I remember that day because I worked there, it was absolutely crazy. We sold more food <laughs> at any time because the stadium was full. People were happy. Go A's and the A's, of course, didn't blow it. The A's said this might be the one chance we get at a sellout. They yeah. blew the White Sox out. <laughs> that, 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 yeah. we, we don't know when we'll get another crowd like this. <laughs> So the A's took it absolutely seriously, okay, and, and punished the White Sox that day, if I remember. Okay, and uh, and so that's, to me, no matter what, I think that that's what they need to do. Baseball say, okay, fans, we're sorry. This is how we feel. Baseball is free the entire day. I'd find some kind of way to convince all the owners, even if you don't. I mean, this is what you're going to have to do. In order to get the fans back. All right, I appreciate the phone so, call. I appreciate the phone call, Ivan. I... I, I love that, but boy, <laughs> I mean, when you got all this going on about money, I don't know if the owners would be up for that. You know, that's the whole reason why they tried expanding. Like, I love your idea, Ivan. Totally love it. 
because I went to that A's and White Sox game. Actually, the the lines were so long, I had to you know had to had to order two beers instead of just one. I was like, all right, I'm 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 standing this line. I'm thinking. I'm mean, thinking it's it's like the third inning or something. I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to get another pier. Had to double fist that day. Uh, really awkward. Ran into a, 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 a old friend's parent, and uh, it was really weird. It's just like, hey, it's first time seeing me since I was six years old. I got two beers in my hand. I'm doing very well. Uh, but you know, here are the two issues that bother me though. When all of this, when all of this comes here, because a lot of the texts that I'm getting and the reason that I asked this question, just generally, do you know what's going on with the MLB lockout? And a lot of you are saying, well, I know there's a lockout, but I don't really know the details of it. I don't want to bother with all the numbers. So the two issues that I have, number one is that. They can talk about the competitive balance tax, uh, which is essentially the luxury tax. If you're a Warrior fan, you know what the luxury tax is. That's what it is. They, they just call it the competitive balance tax. Can't you, can't you remain consistent with everything if you're going to run something like that? Then you got pre-arbitration, then arbitration, and all this stuff. No one, no one really knows what it is. I mean, you, you do, but you know what I mean. It's, it's not general knowledge. But those are, that's what all these talks are about. My number one issue is, and, and Ivan made a great point here. Nobody's talking about this, you know, when you when you go out, when you're seeing friends for the first time. Nobody's talking about baseball being on strike and the competitive balance tax, and oh, if they raise it to this this to this threshold, then baseball's going to get a deal done. I firmly believe it. Nobody's talking about that. The one thing that we do know about us fans, us fans who have played the game, who have watched the game. We're not seeing any differences to the on-field product, which is the problem with baseball at its core right now. They're going to get a deal done, right? I do believe they will. I don't know if it's going to be done by the deadline today, but they're going to get a deal done. Then baseball's going to come back, and then we're just going to get, well, baseball sucks because of the three true outcomes. Analytics are ruining the game, blah, 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 blah. The same things that we hear over and over again. Now, what do they need to do to change that? I mean, the only solution that I have is maybe tweaking the rules on the shift because that's just stopping base hits. Uh, that's just stopping base hits from happening. Maybe tweak those rules, but that's also not my job. It's also not my job to solve it. They need to come up with something different. They need to come up with something new because the difference between baseball and football and basketball is the reason that you know they're so popular is just not only because of just the sport in general but because they change the on-field product when it's needed formula one for example they had an ending last year where really the race director essentially changed the rules in the very final minute of the last race just so you could have mono a mono it was going to be lewis hamilton's all the way till the race director just said no I'm going to I'm going to bend the rules here. We're going to make it so it's Lewis Hamilton on Max Verstappen and they can race in the final lap. Now, I liked it because I'm a Verstappen fan, but they ended up making the change and defining what the rule is at the beginning of the season and they got rid of that race director who made the change entirely because they knew there was a problem with what was was going on on the track. Baseball needs to realize that the problem is it's what's going on on the field. And now you got guys like Joey Gallo from the Yankees who's created a fake LinkedIn page and uh and and you got uh, and you got Bryce Harper calling out to baseball in Japan saying, "Hey Giants, pick me up. I'm available." Like that's where baseball's at. And it's just 
even if they do come back from this lockout and they come to an agreement, it's just it's going to be the same old stuff, the same old bleep that we all complain about when it comes to baseball and why we do not like the game. All right, let's get to a sport that's actually happening. And I just want to play these sound clips back to back. Tell me, try and tell me that John Morant's poster on Jakob Pertl, the audio doesn't sound the exact same as Baron Davis's dunk on Andre uh, on, on Karolinko. Here's John Morant's dunk. Morant blows by Primo. Attack. Oh! And then Baron Davis's on Karolinko. And then get in the basketball because a lot of good things will happen. Not just with him scoring, but then also an open up. Oh, man! Hello. Oh, 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 Timeout in Baron's house. We're going to do a little sound mixing here. Of course, John Morant is from Bally Sports Memphis. But I might mix in a little Hubie Brown on this poster. Morant blows by Primo. Attack. It's <laughs> just a stupid experiment. Look, man, John Morant with 52 points last night. This dude is unreal to watch. He is the most exciting player in the NBA right now. This dude, night after night, is putting out a highlight reel, putting out a hoop mixtape every single game. A lot of fun. But we do have the Warriors. They are back tonight, so we'll have a game to talk about tomorrow. They are at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Tip time is at 5 o'clock. We will react to what happens tonight. And, you know, you never know. Baseball could come to an agreement by the... T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.